This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. It's Zoomer Radio's Theater of the Mind with Frank Proctor. Open your mind as we fill your head with amazing thrills, chills, <laughs> and laughs. Theater of the Mind, the best love programs from radio's golden age, only on Zoomer Radio. Now, here is your master storyteller, Frank Proctor. Well, thank you, and welcome to the show. We begin tonight's entertainment with a show and a visit with Mr. and Mrs. North, a fictional American couple who are amateur detectives. It was created by Francis and Richard Lockridge. The couple was featured in a series of 26 Mr. and Mrs. North novels, a Broadway play, a motion picture, and several radio and television series. Well, here's the radio episode entitled The Letter. Woodbury Cold Cream. Lovely to look at, delightful to know, and heaven to kiss. The makers of Woodbury Cold Cream, the beauty cream for the skin you love to touch, present The Adventures of Mr. and Mrs. North. Jerry knew Albie Baker couldn't have committed the murder. But there was all that evidence against him. And as his own lawyer said to the Norths one night in their apartment. I don't like it. I'm his lawyer and his story doesn't even sound good to me. Yeah, I know. Oh, but you must believe him. Albie'd never kill anyone, never. What makes you so sure? Why, Jerry and I have known him for years. Well, I'm afraid that wouldn't convince a jury, Pamela. Pam's right, though. Albie's no killer. All you have to do is look at him, Mr. Hanson. He has one of the kindest faces I've ever seen. Oh, if only there was some way of finding that letter. Yes, if. The letter is the only piece of evidence to support Baker's story. And nobody has ever seen it except Baker himself. Al said he showed it to Krug. But Krug denies it. He's lying. Well, it's Baker's word against Krug's. And with all the other evidence against Baker, I'm afraid the jury will believe Krug. All right, Mr. Baker Just tell the court your story the way you told it to me Now, you've told us that Private Detective Anderson Questioned you about the stolen goods in your store Yes, sir He asked me where I got the merchandise And I I said from Mr. Warren But I didn't know where Warren got it What did the detective say to that? He said he'd investigate Warren. And then what happened? Well, about a week later, I got a letter from Detective Anderson. He said he thought he had the goods on Warren and asked me to invite Warren to my apartment. I was to introduce Anderson to Warren as a a friend of mine. Well, then... So, Mr. Baker, Detective Anderson wrote you a letter telling you that he wanted to meet Warren in your apartment, did he? Uh, yes, sir. Where is that letter? I I don't know. You don't know? I see. 
Did anyone besides yourself ever see that letter? Yes, yes, I, I showed it to Wilma Cruz. Why? Well, I, I wanted his advice. After Anderson was murdered in my apartment, I, I was in a jam. I thought Wilbur would help me. I showed him the letter and asked him what I, what I should do. What did he do with it? I don't know. He, he must have destroyed it. Did you see him destroy it? No, sir. You didn't see what he did with it? No, sir, I did not. Well, wasn't that a rather strange thing to do? To give someone such a vital piece of evidence and then not even notice what he did with it. I, I was upset and confused. I, I hardly knew what was happening. Besides, I thought he was my friend. I, I didn't think of him. Mr. Krug, did the defendant ever show you a letter to him from Frank Anderson stating that Anderson was to meet Warren in the defendant's apartment? No, he did not. Ladies and gentlemen of the jury, this case is very simple. Stolen merchandise was found in the store of the defendant. This is a fact. A man investigating the stolen goods was murdered in the defendant's apartment. This is a fact. Against these facts, we have only the defendant's word and the letter he claims the dead man Anderson wrote him. Very well, where is that letter? Did anyone but the defendant ever see that letter? No. And why? For the very simple reason that there is no such letter. There never was such a letter. Frank Anderson didn't go to Baker's apartment to see Warren. He went there to see Baker. And it was Baker who killed him. Gentlemen of the jury, have you reached a verdict? We have, Your Honor. We find the defendant guilty as charged. Jerry, I'm just sick. Think of it. Albie Baker convicted of murder. Yeah. Such a nice little fellow. If only there was something we could do. Oh, darling, I don't feel like seeing anyone. Well, I'll go send whoever it is away. Ah, Mr. North. Oh, hello, Mr. Krug. May I come in? I have something to tell you. You mean you're ready to tell the truth about that letter? More. I'm ready to produce it. What? Yes. Oh, don't think I've enjoyed playing the part I did. I despise myself. But I'm really a very weak character, and in my own way, I have to look out for myself. Every man for himself in this dog-eat-dog world, I always say. Skunk would be more like it. But come on in if you really have something to offer. Oh, thank you. Don't be too harsh in judging me. I'm prepared to undo the wrong I've done. Good. But uh, for a price. Ah, Mrs. North, as lovely as ever, I see. Darling, this worm has decided to take a turn for the better. He's going to let us have the letter. Oh, good. But as I mentioned before, for a price. All right. What price? Well, it depends. On what? On Cupid Warren. What's he got to do with it? Well, uh, the letter, while clearing Albie, would convict Warren. Under the circumstances, he'd be willing to bid on the letter, too. You mean you're going to give that horrible thug a chance to buy that letter? Did... To practically buy Albie's life? You know we can't match dollars with that gangster. He's big time, and I don't have that kind of money. As for Al, the poor fellow sank his last cent on the trial. You have friends. Well, I... I'll see what I can do. Mr. Krug, you're... You're... 
Oh, there are no words for you. Well, after all, Mrs. North, I do have to eat, you know. Why? Ah, me. Everyone hates me. Well, it's to be expected. But do unto others and you wind up on the breadline, I always say. I'd much rather be comfortable and well-fed than popular. So, let's get down to business. Now, tomorrow you come to the address I'll give you. Naturally, you won't mention this to the police till the deal's off. I'll see to it that you're not followed. You'll go up one flight of stairs, knock on the door three times, and if everything is ready... and Mrs. North. I've been waiting. Uh, come in. Mr. and Mrs. North, allow me to present Mr. Cupy Warren. How are you? Why are you locking the door? Mm, so we won't be disturbed. Well, now let's get started, shall we? Come over to the table and sit down. All right. All right, bright eyes, where's that letter? In time, Mr. Warren, in time. I ain't got time and I ain't bitten till I see what I'm bitten on. Very well. Just a moment and I'll get it. North. If you and your missus are smart, you're going to keep your mouth shut when I start bidding. Unfortunately, we're not very smart. Well, don't say I didn't warn you. If you wake up in the morgue some morning, you'll know why. All right, folks, here we are. The one and only genuine Frank Anderson letter to Albie Baker. Let's see that. Ah, uh-uh, Mr. Warren mustn't touch. Give me that letter. Oh, a gun? Yeah. Now hand over that letter. Oh, thank you, thank you, Mr. North. You hit him with that chair just in time. And now I have the gun. I was very foolish. I should have seen to it that he was disarmed before he came in here. Ah. Get up, Cupy. You're all right. Oh, I'll get you for this, North. Well, folks, shall we start the bidding? Yes, let's get it over with. Very well. What am I bid for this 100% foolproof, perfect alibi for Albie Baker? I'll give you a grand. I beg your pardon. You heard me. A grand, he says. $1,000. Don't you realize your life hangs on this piece of paper, Mr. Warren? Is that all your life is worth to you, a measly thousand dollars? His life isn't worth a measly twenty cents. I'll bid two thousand. But, Mr. North, Albie Baker's life also depends on this paper. Is two thousand dollars all you bid for your very dear friend? He was supposed to be your very dear friend, too, remember? Come now, let's stop this fooling around. I want a real bid. Five grand. And if you open your mouth, North... I'll push your face so far back through your head every time you want to blow your nose, you'll have to turn around. Ten thousand. All right, wise guy, you'll get yours. Ten thousand, I'm bid. Ten thousand. Do I hear fifteen? Come, come, gentlemen, what are we waiting for? Fifteen. Twenty. Why, you? Well, now, this is more like it. Twenty is bid. Do I hear thirty? Thirty, thirty. Do I hear thirty? Jerry, where are we going to get twenty thousand dollars? I don't know. Twenty-five. Thirty. Mr. you're just ask for trouble and don't think you won't get it. Now, I'll give you just one more chance. Forty grand, Krug, and that's positively, absolutely my last bid. And North, if you and the little lady don't want to go swimming in the river with your feet in a bucket of semen... Ignore him, Mr. North. I have 40,000. Will anyone make it 50? 50, do I hear 50? 40,000, then. It's going at 40,000. Going once... Jerry, we can't let him get away with it. I know, darling. Going twice... Okay, Krug. I'll make it 50. All right, brother, if that's the way you want to play. 50,000, do I hear six? You don't hear nothing. Let him take it. Okay. Sold to Mr. North for $50,000. How long can I have to raise the money? You don't have it with you? Huh. Don't be funny. Well, uh, how about tomorrow noon? Well, that's pretty fast. I'm in a hurry. I want to get this over with. 
Well, I'll do what I can. All right. I'll call you tomorrow and make arrangements. You better make arrangements for his funeral. Jerry, how will we ever get that money? We're not millionaires. We're not even 50,000 heirs. Well, we'd better be before noon tomorrow if we want to get that letter. I wonder if it really is the letter. That's word for word what Albie told me was in the letter. We've just got to get that money. Can we, Jerry? I doubt it. But you bid. For time, darling. There must be some way we can... Jerry, look out, that car. Whip hand, come here. Jerry, you pulled me in at this doorway just in time. Yeah, it seems Cupid's losing no time keeping his promise. Jerry, car stopping in the next block. Turning around. Oh, come on, I don't feel like playing target for that thug with a machine gun anymore. Where are we going? There's a taxi across the street. Oh, here we are. Quick, get in. Driver, start going. I don't care where, only make it fast. Jerry, they're coming. Hurry, driver. They're still coming. Driver, turn again at the next corner. See if you can get away from that car that's following us. Good. Oh. Now, if you can shake them, you can name your own tip. But if you can't, oh, we... Let's not even think about that, Jerry. After all, I don't have a thing to wear to my funeral. I hope I never have to go through anything like that again. No, it was a pretty bad ten minutes, wasn't it? If our driver hadn't cut through that alley, we never would have shaken them. Well, what do we do now, Jerry? We can't stay cooped up in this hotel room. Got to find some way to raise that money. Let's see. Do do we know anybody with $50,000 to spare? Do we know anybody with $50,000? No. Oh, there must be some way to get our hands on some money. Either beg, borrow, or steal it. Of course, Jerry. Steal it. Oh, now, Pamela, if you think I'm going to rob a bank... Oh, no, no, Jerry. Not money. The letter. What? Why don't we steal the letter? Oh. Well, we could... We could just... I I don't know. It does seem like a good idea. We don't even know where he keeps it. It was in the back room. Yes, but you can be sure it's well concealed. He probably expects us to try just what you're suggesting. Well, I know how we can find out where he keeps it, Jerry. You see... When he thinks the house is on fire, he'll go oh, right to the Wait a minute, farm. wait a minute. Why should he think the house is on fire? Because of the smoke, silly. What smoke? From the bomb. Bomb? Smoke? What the dickens are you talking about? A scandal in Bohemia. Oh, uh, what? Don't you ever read, Jerry. Nice book publisher. A scandal in Bohemia is a story by Sherlock Holmes. Oh. You, you know, when Holmes wanted to find out where something was hidden, he had Watson set off a smoke bomb so that the woman who had hidden it would go and get it, and then he could get it. Uh, only he couldn't because she was very clever and, uh, well... Uh, that, that, I mean... That's all right, darling. I remember the story now. Well, how about it then, Jerry? Well... We can go see Mr. Krug to uh, ask for more time or something and then we can set off a smoke bomb and he'll think the house is on fire and he'll run to get the... Well, all right, sweetheart, all right, you win. Let's go see what happens when smoke gets in his eyes. <laughs> I hope it goes all right. Cupid! Oh! Yeah. 
You didn't expect to find me here, did you? <laughs> but I thought me and the boys ought to drop over and pay Krug a visit. And now you come to the party, too. <laughs> well, that's swell. That's just swell. Come in. Well, I think we'd better... Uh, we were just leaving. I said come in. That's right. Look, boys. We got company. Okay, Butch, lock the door. Now, a brief intermission with a wartime beauty rule for the ladies. These war days, we can't have all we'd like in the way of... Remember, good grooming can do more than fine clothes to make you lovely to look at. And there's a wonderful way to help your skin keep immaculately well-groomed. A way so quick and easy that it might have been made just for these busy days. You see, there's one cream that, all alone, does everything for skin beauty. It gives your skin complete beauty care, for it's a complete beauty cream. It's Woodbury Cold Cream. Just try it tonight and see. Dip into a jar of silky soft Woodbury Cold Cream and cover your face with it well. The rich cleansing oils loosen dirt and old makeup. So wipe off the soil cream. Your skin will simply glow. It's so fresh, so clean. Now pat on more Woodbury and leave some on your skin overnight. That's all. You've given yourself the famous Woodbury Beauty Nightcap. It takes just three minutes. And tomorrow, when you see your clearer, smoother, more radiant complexion, you want to do that every night. Use Woodbury to cleanse your skin in the daytime, too. Your makeup will go on with a porcelain-perfect finish. Four special softening and smoothing ingredients make Woodbury cold cream so beautifying. Another ingredient makes Woodbury exceptionally safe, for it works constantly purifying the cream in the jar in case blemish-causing germs get in. No other cream gives you this added protection. Try this complete beauty cream. Get Woodbury cold cream tonight. And now, back to Mr. and Mrs. North. In their attempt to get the letter that will clear Albie Baker, the Norths have gone to Krug's apartment, only to be greeted there by QB Wallace. You know, Mr. and Mrs. North, you just don't seem never to learn. Should I give them a once-over lightly, boss, just so they get the idea you ain't fooling? Not yet, Butch. You're not through with Krug. Leave me alone, won't you? Sure, sure. As soon as you tell us where you got that letter. I'll never tell you. Okay, Butch. Right, boss. Now, Krug, this is going to hurt you more than it does me. No, no, Bruce. That was nothing, oh. Mrs. North. But you just get warmed up. You going to talk, mister? Okay, how do you like this? No. No, stop it. Stop it. I'll tell you. I'll show you where the letter is. Okay, Krug. Where is it? I'll get it. It's behind this picture. There's a panel. Jerry, he's getting the letter. What do we do? Let's set off the smoke bomb. Maybe in the excitement we can get it. Of course, Jerry. Oh, no, you don't. I'll take that and come on, hand it over. Come on. Okay. Jerry, we're licked. Looks like it. All right. Here's the letter. Good. Bring it here, Butch. Here you are, boss. Ah. Oh. Huh. 
So I was supposed to top 50 grand for this, hey, Krug? <laughs> now I'll just take this cigarette lighter. And I'll light this corner of the letter. And there goes the last piece of evidence against QP Warren up in smoke. There it goes, Jerry. Yeah. $50,000. Albie's chance for freedom. Well, that's that. <laughs> Jerry. Yeah, we certainly did. Is there any chance of doing anything for Albie now? I'm afraid not. We can only hope. I'll go, dear. Ah, hello there, North Old Man. Do you always have to be so blamed cheerful? Ah, but I have good news for you. Yeah? What? I'm a liar. A frightful liar. Is that good? But of course. Uh, may I come in? Okay. Well, darling, Krug crawled out from under his rock again. He says he has some good news for us. Hello, hello, Mrs. Norris. Hello. My friends, do you still wish to purchase that letter? What do you mean? It would have been foolish of me to show the real letter, wouldn't it? When I was dealing with a man like Q.P. Warren who might pull a gun at any moment. Yes, it would have been insanely foolish. And, Mr. and Mrs. North, I am not foolish. Weak? Yes. Selfish? Yes. But, uh... Do you mean that letter Krug burned was not the original? Exactly, Mr. North. It was a copy. And the original? It's carefully put away where it shall remain until the money is made ready to change hands. Oh, thank heavens. Jerry, there's still a chance. Yes. Well, now, sir, do we do business or don't we? We do. Good. But on different terms. I beg your pardon. You were able to force a high bid from Jerry before by the pressure of Cupid's bidding. But since you can't deal with Cupy anymore... Why can't I deal with him? Because you tricked him. So he'd never trust you again. He'd never know whether you were holding back a, a photographic copy or something. And the letter doesn't do him any good unless he's sure that he's destroyed every last copy of it. That's right, Krug. Ah, me. So it is. So it is. Distressing fact. But we'll do business with you because we only have to worry about one copy. The original. But we'll have to make sure it is the original... And we won't pay you anything like $50,000. What will you pay? Oh, perhaps a thousand. <laughs> My dear man, you're joking. It wouldn't be worthwhile to bother. You seem to forget, Mr. Krug, that if we don't buy that letter, it's worthless. You might just as well take what we offer as it's all clear profit. And you seem to forget that if I don't take your offer, Albie Baker goes to the electric chair. I can sit tight and wait. I think you'll come across. Oh, you're despicable. I certainly am. I hate you. I hate myself. You seem cheerful enough about it. That, sir, is because I dislike myself so thoroughly, I enjoy hating me. Oh. The trouble with me is I should have been a poet instead of a blackmailer. I have the heart of a poet, the feelings of a poet, the soul of a poet. Well, then why aren't you a poet? Simple. My poetry stinks. And tell you what, North, uh, let's settle this matter. $10,000. Take it or leave it. Okay. It's a deal. Jerry, do, do we just stand here on the corner until he shows up? Uh-huh. Now that he's ready to show the original letter, he's being extra cautious. 
He's not telling us any address. Afraid we might send the police there. I only hope this time it is the original. Well, I got some samples of Anderson's handwriting. We'll compare them with the letter. I'm not giving up $10,000 for any phony. I had too much trouble raising it. How will we ever pay it back, Jerry? It won't be easy. Fifteen, seven, a dollar, five. Uh, make it a dollar. That's easier. Uh, how many weeks are there in a year, Jerry? Fifty-two. Why? I'm trying to figure out how much we could save if you give up smoking. Oh, I'm afraid it's not very much. It's too bad I don't smoke, then I could give it up, too, and we'd save twice as much. Oh, we'll manage somehow, Pam. But it won't be easy. You know, Jerry, people shouldn't be allowed to blackmail anyone except very rich people. I think that's crew coming out. Hello, Mr. and Mrs. North. Get in, please. Okay. Go ahead, Pam. All right. There we are. Now we'll just drive around for a while. Oh, the OPA is not going to like that. Ah, I have to make sure we're not being followed. Better to be cautious than sorry, I always say. And I'm satisfied no one is following. I'll take you to a room I've rented just for this little meeting. Well, Mr. North, are you satisfied that that is the real letter? Hmm. Yeah, it seems to be. Good. Then if you'll pay me, we can conclude our little negotiation. Here you are. Ah, thank you, thank you. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Mm-hmm. Yes, seems to be correct. Well, that's that then. I'll run along now, but just one more thing. You want to wait here for five minutes before leaving. All right. Well, goodbye, and please believe me when I tell you I'm heartily ashamed of myself. Goodbye. Well, we've got it at last, Jerry. Yep. Oh, I can hardly wait to tell Albie. Uh, do they have telephones at Sing Sing? Well, not private ones. It'll be a wonderful surprise for him. Mr. Skippy Warren's in for a surprise, too. Yes. Oh, how I'd like to see his face when he finds out that what he burned was only a copy and that we have the original. <laughs> What's your sister? Oh. Well, take a good look. Cupid. Yeah, and this time I'm finishing the job. I've had trouble with you two for the last time. What are you going to do? What do you think I'm going to do? Nobody plays me for a sucker and gets away with it. Oh, but it was Mr. Cruz. I'll take care of him later. Right now, I got business with you. I'll fix you so I don't have no more trouble with you. Oh, wait a minute. Can't we... No, talk? I won't wait. I'm finishing you now, mister. Oh. What happened, Jerry? Hello, Mr. and Mrs. North. Cruz. I never thought I'd be glad to see you. I saw Cupid coming down the hall, so I hid, and then I followed him back here. You saved our lives. Oh, I had to. I've entered this room, you see. If you were found dead in it, I'd be suspected, so I couldn't let him kill you. Not here. How did he know we were here? Oh, I don't know. He must have had someone spying. Uh, how is he? Did I... Uh, why doesn't he move? Oh, dear. I'm afraid I've killed him. Looks like it. I only meant to wound him. Oh, dear. Now his body will be found. I'm no better off than if he killed you. Uh, uh, somehow I like it better this way. But look, um, I was only trying to protect you. That's true, isn't it? Yes. You'll say that, won't you? You're the only witnesses you know. You'll testify that he was trying to kill you, won't you? If you don't, they might make a first-degree case out of it. Please don't let me down. After all, I saved your life. Yes, you did. So you will tell them what happened, won't you? Sure, we will. Don't worry. Ah, thank you. However, it's going to cost you just $10,000. What? Yes, otherwise we might have a sudden lapse of memory. Isn't that right, Pam? Mm-hmm. Oh. Well, how about it? Okay. You win. Here you are. Good. Thanks. Ah, me. Oh, that's life. 
Nothing ventured, nothing gained, I always say. However, it is rather annoying to have ventured so far and still gain nothing. Well, it's no more than I deserve, I dare say. It's a lot less than you deserve. You ought to be in jail. However, let well enough alone, I always say. Uh, What's that? Cupid. Uh, but, but you said, you said... No, I didn't. You did. Oh. Your shot missed him completely, but it startled him just enough to give me a chance to clip him. He was standing between you and me so you couldn't see it. No, no, no. Your gun won't help you. I have Cupid's gun now, and I'm ready to use it. Better put yours on the table. Go on. All right. Ah, me. Seems I've played every card wrong, haven't I? Well, I suppose there's nothing left for me to do but go back to my portrait. Well, Jerry, we have the letter and it didn't cost us a thing. And we've caught Cupid. Everything's turned out for the best after all, hasn't it? Not quite. What do you mean, darling? Think what we've done to love as a poetry. <laughs> One of the busiest Bond sellers among the film stars is Dorothy L'Amour. And she's one of Hollywood's busiest filmmakers, too. You'll be seeing her soon in the new Paramount Technicolor picture, Riding High. Now, in spite of all that Dorothy L'Amour is doing, that luscious complexion of hers stays as fresh and clear as ever. For you see, Dorothy L'Amour is mighty smart. She's got her complexion care down to a matter of just a few minutes. And here's what she told us about it. My every night skin care is the Woodbury Beauty Nightcap. I've never found anything else so helpful. It's all done with Woodbury cold cream in just three minutes. And many more among Hollywood's loveliest stars have this same beauty care. Try it, girl. Woodbury cold cream gives such remarkable results because it's a complete beauty cream. Besides cleansing, it softens and smooths beautifully and does still more. Jars ten cents to a dollar and a quarter. That's Woodbury, W-O-O-D-B-U-R-Y. Woodbury Cold Cream. Get a jar tonight. Ladies and gentlemen, give to the National War Fund. This fund helps many great works. It combines the appeals of 17 national relief organizations and your own money for our boys in prison camps, to feed starving children abroad, and, of course, for relief work in your own community. The need is greater than ever. So give when the war chest drive is announced in your community. Give as you never gave before. Tune in again next week at this same time for another adventure of Mr. and Mrs. North, starring Alice Frost and Joseph Curtin. For thrills and laughs, be sure to listen, won't you? This is Ben Grower saying goodnight for Woodbury Cold Cream. Lovely to look at, delightful to know, and heaven to care. This program came to you from New York. This is the National Broadcasting Company. Stay tuned for Dennis Day next on Theater of the Mind. Time now for the guy with that beautiful Irish tenor voice, and that would be Dennis Day.
all of your smile. Ladies and gentlemen, Colgate Dental Cream presents the Dennis Day Show, written by Frank Galen, with Sharon Douglas, Paula Winslow, Dink Trout, John Brown, Charles Dant and the orchestra, yours truly, Vern Smith, and starring our popular young singer in A Day in the Life of Dennis Day. Twice a day and before every date, use Colgate Dental Cream to clean your breath while you clean your teeth. Here's Dennis to sing My Pretty Girl. My pretty girl, my pretty girl, I'm always dreaming of you. My pretty girl, my pretty girl, my darling, how I love you. Promise me you will never leave me. Promise me you will never grieve me. Promise me you will not deceive me. Oh, my pretty girl, please give me just one kiss. One sweet kiss you won't miss. For your kiss brings such bliss to my lonely heart. My pretty girl, my pretty girl, I'm always dreaming of you. My pretty girl, my pretty girl, my darling, how I love you. Promise me you will never leave me, promise me you will never grieve me, promise me you will not deceive me, oh, my pretty girl. Okay, now, grab your partner. Oh, lead him up center and around outside and down on your corner. Oh, swing, oh, swing that pretty little girl and promenade the one that's left behind you. Let my arms hold you tight And with dawn's early light Let me take you home My pretty girl, my pretty girl I'm always dreaming of you My pretty girl, my pretty girl My darling, how I love you Promise me you will never leave me Promise me you will never grieve me Promise me you will not deceive me Oh, my pretty girl Promise me Young hero Dennis Day works behind the soda fountain of Willoughby's Drugstore in the little community of Weaverville. Now, you'll say it's hardly likely that a small-town soda jerk's name should become a byword in our nation's capital at Washington, D.C. Well, likely or not, that's exactly what's happened. In Washington's National Income Tax Bureau, an excited clerk has just discovered that a perverse fate chose to single out our hero from among the millions. Great Scott, Charlie, look at this. What's the matter? Some guy named Dennis Day sent us $10 to pay his income tax. Only he figured it wrong, and we found we had to refund him some money. How much? $10. Well, what about it? Well, just look at this voucher, man. The check printing machine went crazy. We sent him a check for $100,000. What are we going to do about it, Charlie? Ah, forget it. <laughs> 
forget it. Charlie, the Democrats aren't here anymore. <laughs> I'm taking the next plane to Weaverville. But at the Anderson boarding house in Weaverville, it's quite apparent that the envelope containing the $100,000 check is not yet in the hands of its young addressee. For we find the most discouraged Dennis talking to his girlfriend, Mildred Anderson. A flop, that's what I am, Mildred. A complete failure. Oh, now, Dennis, don't talk like that. But it's true. Here I am, 22 years old and making only $8 a week. <laughs> well, you have a roof over your head and three good meals a day. There's more to life than just food and shelter, Mildred. There are other things I'd like to have, too, like shoes. <laughs> well, Dennis, maybe if you'd ask Mr. Willoughby for a raise... But I did, just the other day. I said to him, Mr. Willoughby, why don't you be fair? Pay me what I'm worth. And he refused? Yeah, he said no one could live on less than $8 a week. <laughs> it's no use, Mildred. I'm going to leave Weaverville. That's all. Oh, now, don't say that, Dennis. I know what your whole trouble is. You just don't inspire confidence in people. You... Well, you look so young. Gosh, that isn't my fault, Mildred. It could happen to anybody 22 years old. <laughs> oh, I know it's not your fault, but we ought to do something about it. Let's think a minute. How can we age you? Age me? Yes. What makes a man look older? Do you know what makes my father look older, for instance? Sure, but I'm not married to her. <laughs> Silly. But if you looked older, like Good my father... Good morning, Mildred. Good morning, young man. Morning, Mother. Morning, Mrs. Anderson. Mother Dennis was just telling me how discouraged he is. He wants to leave Weaverville. Yeah, for good. Never come back. That's the way to talk, my boy. Go to it. <laughs> He'll do no such thing. We've decided the only reason he isn't a success is because he looks so young. I brought in the mail, Pupsy. <laughs> morning, children. Morning, Good morning, Father. Mr. Anderson. I'll take those letters, Herbert. Uh, yes, lover girl. <laughs> oh, here's one for you, Dennis. It's from the Income Tax Bureau in Washington, D.C. Gosh, I hope I'm not in some kind of trouble. Well, come along, Herbert. We have housework to do. Yes, I know. Lead the way, light of my life. <laughs> i better open this letter and see what it is. Oh, I should say so. Mr. Dennis Day, dear sir, enclosed, please find check in the amount of $10 covering refund on overpaid income tax. Boy, that's a relief. I thought I was going to go to jail. Oh, well, is the check in it? Yeah, it's down at the bottom of the envelope. There, you see? Just when everything looked darkest, along comes the government and sends you a $10 tax refund. I know, but it's nothing I can depend on every week. <laughs> Well, I'd better deposit this at the bank on my way to work. I'll see you tonight, Mildred, huh? All right, Dennis. Oh, oh, here, give Daddy these glasses on your way out. He left them on the table before when... <gasps> Dennis! Huh? My father's glasses, don't you see? Those glasses with a black silk ribbon. Why, they put 20 years on you. But, Mildred, 20... Oh, Dennis, they're just what we've been looking for. Try them on. Well, okay. There, how do I... Mildred, where are you? Come back! <laughs> Oh, but Dennis, you have no idea how distinguished they make you look. Can't you see yourself in that mirror on the wall? I can't even see the wall. <laughs> Never mind. Just keep them on when you go down to the bank. Oh, you'll see what a difference it makes in the way people treat you. Gosh, I hope so. Am I pointed in the direction of the bank? Uh-huh. Good. Give me a push. <laughs> And 
And so off our hero went, completely unaware that in his pocket was a check on the United States Treasury for $100,000. Entering the bank, he removed his glasses so he could find the deposit window, then put them back on, took his check out of the envelope, and presented it to the teller. I'd like to deposit this check, please. Where's your deposit slip? Oh, do you need one of those? What I have to go through with these jerks. <laughs> All right, give me the check. Pay to the order of Dennis Day. Yay, 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 yay. This is your check, sir? Yeah, is there anything wrong with it? Oh, no, sir. No, Your Honor. Your worship, sir. <laughs> Gee, for a minute, I didn't think these glasses were going to work. Would you mind stepping over to our president's office, sir? I'm sure Mr. Courtney would like to take care of you personally. Really? Oh, yes, sir. Naturally, if he'd known you were coming, he'd have called a special meeting of the board of directors. Boy, what glasses! <laughs> Will you wait just a moment? I'll tell Mr. Courtney you're here. Mr. Courtney, there's a very important depositor outside, a Mr. Dennis Day. Dennis Day? Never heard of him. What's he look like? An eccentric millionaire. He's wearing pince-nez glasses on a black ribbon attached to his sweatshirt. <laughs> he, uh, he wants to deposit this. Well, here, let me see it. Pay to the order of Dennis Day. Yipe! Well, don't, don't, don't stand there. Send him right in. Yes, sir. Right this way, Mr. Day. This is Mr. Courtney, our president. It's a privilege to meet you, sir. Glad to meet you, Mr. Courtney. No, no, no. You're shaking the curtain. I'm over here. <laughs> oh, pardon me. Oh, do sit down, Mr. Day. Can I offer you a clear Havana? Oh, no, thanks. I'm not thirsty. <laughs> Very good. So you wish to deposit this check with us, eh? That's right. If I'm not too personal, how did you happen to get a government check of this size? It's a refund on my income tax. <laughs> Merciful heavens, I hate it. Will you be making deposits of this amount often? I guess so. That's about what my weekly salary is. <laughs> Again? Uh, will you be making withdrawals, too, Mr. Day? Oh, yes, of course. Well, be sure and let us know in time so we can bring up the bank's reserves from New York, eh? Gee, this bank operates with very little cash, doesn't it? <laughs> oh, we'll grow, Mr. Day. Uh, by the way, what business are you in? Oh, I'm learning the drug business. Learning. <laughs> I'll bet you're cleaning up plenty for a beginner, eh, Mr. Day? Oh, yes, sir. Every morning. <laughs> That's rich. You, you you work in a big chain, I presume? Oh, no, sir. My boss trusts me. <laughs> I, George, you do have a sense of humor. Say, I, I hope you won't think I'm too forward, Mr. Day, but, well, I've been thinking of taking a little flyer lately. How do you like the market? Fine. The food is good, and it seems very clean. <laughs> hmm. I'm sorry, Mr. Courtney, but I have to get back to the drugstore. I'm awfully late for work. Oh, I quite understand, but would you do one favor for me? Take this along. Read it in your spare time. And phone me and tell me what you think about it. What is it? It's a financial statement of the company I'm thinking of buying shares in. The Seattle, San Antonio, and Montreal Railroad. Yes, sir. I'll be glad to. Oh, thank you, sir. I'm terribly grateful. I do want to make a success of my career... Just as you have. Well, there's nothing hard about it. All you need is a pair of these glasses. 
Gosh, I've never been so late to work. Mr. Willoughby's going to be furious. Oh, well, I guess I may as well go in and face him. I better put the glasses back on. At least he can't hit me if I'm wearing them. Dennis, my boy, my dear, dear boy. Son! <laughs> Gee, they even work on him. I'm sorry I'm so late, sir. You're talking to the Coca-Cola machine. I'm over here. Oh, excuse me. Oh, that's all right, son. I just had a phone call from my nephew. He's a teller over at the bank. Dennis, my boy, why didn't you tell me? Tell you? Of course. Dennis, I've known all along there was something in that head of yours. But it never occurred to me it might be a brain. A brain? Sure. And here you were all the time living like a poor boy. How did you ever do it? It wasn't so hard on my salary. Ah, we won't speak of salary anymore, Dennis. From now on, you're going to be my partner in this drugstore. I better get another pair of these glasses in case this pair breaks. <laughs> you see, son, I figure we can really fix this place up for about $5,000. And what's 5000 to a man like you, huh? <laughs> the same as 500 Yeah, just about. But, Mr. Willoughby... Tut, tut, my boy. Consider yourself a full-fledged partner. Oh, there's a customer coming in. Take off your glasses and wait on him. Partner. You bet I will, partner. You just watch me. Now that I'm a partner, I'll sell him everything in the store. How do you do, sir? Can I serve you, sir? Yes, uh, I just, uh, I just weighed myself on your scale outside. It's, uh, it's broken and I'd like my penny back. The scale isn't broken, sir. I say it is. It's got a sign on it that says your weight and your fortune for a penny. I got my weight, but the place where the fortune was supposed to be came out blank. That scale always works, sir. Maybe you've just got no future. Now, uh, look, uh, I'm not going to argue about it. If you want to get tough, I'll have a lawyer up here in ten minutes. Gosh, you'd go through all that just for a penny? It isn't the penny. Believe me, I've taken girls out and spent a hundred times that on them. Yes, that I was dying to have my fortune told. Well, if you'll give me your palm, I'll be very happy to read it for you. That won't do. Now, do I get my penny or don't I? Well, I can't give it to you, sir, but I'll take it up with the company that owns the scale. If you'll fill out this form, you should have your money within a few months. <laughs> oh, that's ridiculous. I'm almost tempted to forget the whole thing. Yes, sir. I said almost. <laughs> yes, sir. Could I have your name, please? Uh, the name Benny. Benny what? Uh, Jack. <laughs> Jack Benny. And your address, sir? Care of F.E. Boone, Lexington, Kentucky. <laughs> Thank you, sir. I'll have them send you the money as quickly as possible. Well, see that you do. Or the next time I weigh myself, somebody else will get my business. <laughs> Good day. Good day, sir. Benny. Jack Benny. Gee, that name is awfully familiar. No, it's no use. I can't seem to place him. Oh. 
Actually asked for your advice? Uh-huh, and that isn't all. After I got back from the bank, Mr. Willoughby made me a partner in his drugstore. Oh, golly! All this just from wearing Daddy's glasses. Uh-huh. Oh, oh, put them on quick. Here comes Mother up the walk. Okay, here it comes. The final test. Dennis, my son! My own dear sweet son! Now I know they're foolproof. Oh, Dennis, I've heard about you from just everyone downtown. I want you to know how proud and happy I am to have you boarding here. Gee, thanks, Mrs. Anderson. Now, about that two weeks' rent I owe you, I... Oh, Dennis, my son. Oh, here, let me take your coat. Okay, but you'll be losing money on the deal. (laughs) I mean to hang up. (laughs) Just to hang up, silly boy. (laughs) Oh, Mildred, I'm so proud of him, aren't you? Oh, yes, Mother. Dennis, my son. My dear, fine son. Gosh, you too, Mr. Anderson? These are your glasses. Oh, Dennis, I feel like your mother as well as Mildred's. I I wonder if you'd mind kissing me in a motherly sort of way. Sure, Mrs. Anderson, I'd be glad to. You kissed me, Dennis. Poopsie's over there. Oh, gosh. Pardon me, Mr. Anderson. Well, now suppose we all go into the dining room and have... Oh, I wonder who that is. I'll answer it. Yes? How do you do? My name is Elliot. I'm a reporter on the Middletown News. My editor sent me over for an interview with a Mr. Dennis Day. Why, that's me. Good. Mr. Day, we understand you just received one of the largest income tax refunds ever given out. I did? Gosh, the government's pretty stingy, isn't it? Uh, Be that as it may, I'm here to get the story of America's leading drug tycoon. Just how did you get your start in life, Mr. Day? Well, my father called the doctor in the middle of the night and they rushed my... Not that far back! (laughs) Uh, We're only interested in your business career, Mr. Day. And by the way, why weren't we able to locate you in Dun and Bradstreet? Oh, that's easy, because I live at 4th and Elm. This interview should make me famous in journalism. (laughs) Do you mind if I ask you a few general questions, Mr. Day? Fire away. (laughs) Believe me, I love to. (laughs) What do you think of the high cost of living? Oh, I intend to keep on doing it, no matter how high the cost gets. Do you mind if I don't quote you on that? Not at all. Thank you. What have you to say on the subject of Russia? It gets very cold there. (laughs) Just the stuff our readers want. (laughs) Anything else on Russia? Well, just that it's good that there is a Russia because there are so many Russians that if there weren't a Russia, where would they all go? Excellent question. My editor also wants to know what you think of the Japanese situation. Personally, I think my editor has stones in his head, but here goes. What do you know about Japan? Well, Japan is smaller than Russia. Now we're getting somewhere. And it's much warmer and has fewer Russians. (laughs) 
scoop after scoop. <laughs> and now to return to the home front. For what reason, I can't imagine. <laughs> How do you feel about labor? I think a person should, unless he's lazy. I put it down just as you said it. Well, that concludes one of the most amazing afternoons of my life. Thank you, Mr. Day, and goodbye. Goodbye, sir. Oh, uh, whereabouts in your newspaper will this interview appear? In our lost and found column. Goodbye. Who was that, Dennis? Oh, some fellow from a newspaper. I've been interviewed. Oh, Dennis, how wonderful. You'll be famous all over the country. Gee, what do you know? I'll bet that's the newsreels. Oh, I do hope so. Come in. Anybody named Dennis Day live here? Yes, sir. That's me. So you're the fella. I'm from Washington, Mr. Day. I'm sorry, but I do not choose to run. <laughs> I'm from the Income Tax Bureau. I'm here to correct a little mistake. Mistake? Yeah, that tax refund check we sent you for $100,000 was a little off. It should have been for 10 bucks. Oh, so that's it. A mistake. I should have known. Wait a minute. I don't understand. We what? thought you were rich, you idiot. We thought you got an income tax refund of $100,000. Oh, gosh, no. I don't pay that much income tax in two years. <laughs> Dennis Day, you're an imbecile. If you... Gosh, what traffic tonight. Come in. Dennis, my boy, my wonderful boy. Wait, Mr. Courtney, it's all a mistake. Oh, I know that. I've seen the income tax man. But you saved me a fortune today. When you called at noon and said not to buy Seattle, San Antonio, and Montreal, I didn't. And this afternoon, it went down 12 points. Gosh. This $100 is for you, Dennis. And thanks. Oh, Dennis, my dear, sweet son. Oh, I can't get over it. A young man with no financial experience, and he tells me not to touch that stock. How did you know? Why, from that statement I read, Mr. Courtney. The statement? Sure. It said that their assets were $15 million and their liabilities were $15 million. Yes? Why, that darn railroad was just barely breaking even. <laughs> Here's Dennis Day and Charles Dance's beautiful arrangement of the anniversary song. Oh, how we danced on the night we were wed. We
Broadcasting Company. I had to wait for those chimes. Uh, thank you for listening. Tomorrow night is Mr. Keen, Tracer of Lost Persons, followed by Abbott and Costello. Thank you to Joel Schoenwell and Paul Stringer for technical support. The executive producer for Theater of the Mind is Moses Neimer. I'm Frank Proctor. Have a great night. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.